All right, good morning and good evening. Welcome to the Back to Bethel podcast. We are glad uh, to have you joining back in with us. I am your co-host, Luke Waldrop. I'm the youth pastor here at Bethel Missionary Baptist Church. I am joined by our host, Dr. Darren Waldrop. He is the lead pastor here at Bethel Missionary Baptist Church. And today we have a special guest that is Ethan Green, pastor at the Victory Baptist Church in the Newland area. And so we're so glad to have him uh, with us today for the Back to Bethel podcast. I'm going to kick it over to Dad uh, to pray for us, and then we will get rolling. Okay. Hello, friends and neighbors. Good to have you all tuning in to the Back to Bethel podcast. And, uh, son, thank you for the kind introduction. Brother Ethan, it is so good to have you with us today. I have looked so very forward to this day, this moment, having the opportunity to speak with you and talk with you and interview you. And a lot of people are going to be amazed by the stories of God working in your life and in your family and in your church. And um, uh, I'll I'll say this before I pray. Um, When I first started pastoring, I was at Zion Hill Baptist Church in Zirconia, North Carolina. We had 23 people. And I went to a neighboring church. And when I say neighboring, I mean it was probably a mile, within a mile away from us. And the pastor there greeted me, said, hello, my name is Brother Raymond. And I said, hello, my name is uh, Darren Waldrop. He said, are you the one we've been praying for every morning at 6 o'clock? I said, I don't know. He said, we've been praying for that pastor over there at Zion Hill that God would send them a pastor and I said, well, they put me in. He said, son, you're either the one we've been praying for or you're not. And if you're not, then you need to move so God can get the one he wants in here. I said, oh, I hope I'm the one. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said, well, son, I'm just going to say this. He went, hee, 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 like that. He said, I'm going to say this. He said, I feel the rumblings just over here for my church from what's going on over there. And he said, you're the one God sent. Brother Ethan, I want to tell you something, son. I feel the rumblings in this county of God sending you into our area. And I'm thankful to have the opportunity to get in the same field, amen, Amen. and work arm in arm with you. Yes, sir. It's just a joy, amen. Amen. Hey, let's pray. Father, it is a privilege to bow our head before you again this day. And, Lord, I'm so thankful to know that you see me. You see me in the storm. You see me in the issues of life. You know my fears. You know, Father, the good, the bad. You know it all. And, Lord, I'm glad that when you see me, you know what I deal with, and you come to me, and you give me peace, and you give me blessings. And, Father, I am so unworthy and so undeserving. And, Lord, I'm thankful that you're willing to reveal yourself to me, that you've come to me. One day you'll come for me and take me home to glory to be with you for all of eternity. And for that, sir, I am most thankful. Lord, I ask your blessing today upon our time together. Bless this podcast, these that tune in today and listen God, they have issues round about them. They're going through storms. They have uh, a need to hear words of encouragement from the man of God that we're interviewing today. And Father, I pray right now you would just eliminate fears from his life. And God, you'd fill him with your spirit. And God, you'd allow him to speak to us 
with the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. Father, we ask your blessing now upon these that's got cancer, upon these that's had surgeries, God, upon these, Father, that's had death invading their family, upon these, most importantly, that are lost, that need to be saved. God, I ask your blessing upon our time together. Bless your man, the church he represents. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. and amen. Well, I've already started crying, boys. I I don't know what to say, but when I get to talk about the Lord, I tell you, Last night when I was preaching, Brother Ethan, I just had to sit down. I sat down right over there and just had a crying spell while I was preaching. Amen. God got on me so, bad, so much about, not bad, but it's good, about how he sees me yes, and how he knows what we're going through. It is my privilege to introduce to you Brother Ethan Green. He is the pastor at the Victory Baptist Church up in little community we know as Squirrel Creek, North Carolina. Amen. Yep. It is in the Newland area. It is in Avery County. And, um, Brother Ethan, it is a joy to have you here today. Thank you for clearing your schedule for a little while. And and uh, he, he's a busy man, folks, and uh, we're glad to have him. And Brother Ethan, I want you to talk to us just a little bit about, just tell us about your your family, uh, growing up, getting saved, uh, the call to the ministry. You just, you just take the floor here, take as long as you need. I'm excited about you sharing this, brother. Okay. Well, Pastor, let me say... Before I get started, what a privilege it is for me to be here. Thank you for this privilege, this opportunity. And uh, thank God for what you mean to us and our church and what Bethel Baptist Church means to victory. We love you all. And we're, we're just so thankful, like you said a moment ago, be partnering together yes. for the cause of Christ. Amen. It's just wonderful to be able to labor together for Jesus. So um, going back to the beginning, the Lord saved me when I was just an eight-year-old boy. Amen. And... You know, it goes without being said, but I'm going to say anyhow, it's the best decision of my life. <laughs> he showed me I was lost when I was an eight-year-old boy. I grew up in a pastor's home. I'm the oldest of five boys. Never a dull moment whatsoever. <laughs> uh, lived on a big farm, had over 100 acres of land. We got to roam around and just you know, ride four-wheelers, dirt bikes, you know, just grow up as little kids. Mm-hmm. You know, going to church on Sundays, Wednesdays, going with my dad, preach revival meetings, you know, as his sidekick, his little shadow. But... God, the Holy Ghost, had to show me uh, that I was a sinner. And all the preaching my daddy did and, and all the Bible classes and Bible schools and Sunday schools, they were good. They planted the seed. But God, the Holy Ghost, showed me I was a sinner. And when he shows you you're lost, thank God you can get saved. Amen. And it was a Thursday night right before Easter. It was April the 8th, 2004. And uh, my mother was reading a Bible story about the crucifixion. And for the very first time... Uh, it dawned on me, you know, what the story meant, what she's talking about. And I asked her, I said, Mom, uh, why did Jesus do this? And she said, Son, he did this for you. Yes. He died on the cross for your sins. And it, it hit me all at once that Christ could actually love me that much, <laughs> die for me. <laughs> Amen. And there in my bedroom floor, I asked Christ to save me. Best decision, like I said, I've ever made in my life. That was when I was eight. When I was nine years old, God started dealing with my heart to preach. Wow. And I sensed the call for the very first time when I was nine, but I was scared to death. And I said, Lord, I argued with him. I said, Lord, there's no way you could call a nine-year-old boy to preach as if I was trying to tell God something he didn't know. <laughs> and uh, I'm thankful God didn't listen to my reasoning. Amen. Uh, he kept dealing with my heart. You know, 10, 11, 12, 13 rolled around, and I kept trying to bargain with God. said, so, God, if you'll let me marry and have a family, have a home, have a, have a job, you know, start making money, then, then I'll, I'll preach. 
And uh, there again, God didn't listen to my reasoning or accept my, my bargain, but God called me to preach, and I surrendered when I was 14. Wow. wow. And it was on a Sunday evening at my home church where my dad has pastored for almost 28 years now, and God called me to preach, second best decision of my life outside of salvation. And so God saved me when I'm eight, starts filling my heart when I'm nine, calls me when I'm 14. God puts pastoring in my heart when I'm 16. And then I meet my wife when I'm 19. I get married to my wife and take my first church when I'm 21. We had our son last year, Beckham, our first child. We have one on the way. Amen. And so my life is just God's story. It's His yeah. grace. God is so good to us. And, and one thing I want to be able to tell young people in particular is you don't have to waste your life. But if you'll give God your teenage years, if you'll give God, as Solomon said, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Don't waste your youth. Yes. Give it to God. My first job, I was working on a mulch lot, and I was loading a, a man's dump truck with mulch. He's going to take it to a landscape job he's working on. Uh, we got talking about jobs and careers, and he asked me, said, um, how old are you? And I told him at the time I was 16, mm-hmm. and uh, just volunteering, helping a, a friend of mine. And he asked what my plans for life were, and I told him, I said, well, first and foremost, I'm saved. I know Christ, I have a relationship with him, and he's called me to preach. So I'm going to spend my life. That's my calling in life. My purpose is to preach the gospel. And, of course, he knew what that come along with, and he asked me the question, he said, don't you feel like you're missing out? And I thought about the song that we've all heard yeah. sung, yeah. I Have Missed Out. So I used that song and uh, quoted it back to him. I said, yes, sir, I have missed out. Amen. I've missed out on a lot of heartache and sorrow. And, you know, the devil sometimes come to a young person and, and make them feel that they have missed out. The devil has come to me many times and said, Ethan, God robbed you. God robbed you of your youth. You couldn't do, I remember when I was preaching at 14, I didn't have my driver's permit even at that time. And so I was finding people to come and pick me up, take me to church and splitting love offerings with them. And I remember, you know, churches where, where my father would pastor, my mother would play piano. She would drop me off at the church if it was close by and I'd have to find a ride back. So, you know, I remember those, those humble beginnings, but you know, as I, as I grew up, you know, I remember when I got my license, we go bowling on a Saturday night and you know, my friends would stay extra late, and they say, hey, we could bowl another round for a couple extra dollars, and I yeah. said, no, I've got to preach tomorrow. I get to preach tomorrow. And I remember, you know, all the night rides back home, and the devil hopping the truck with me and say, you know what, you could be bowling with your friends an extra hour, or you could be out hanging out with them. Not, not sinful things, good things, but not making a priority of God. And, God. and the devil said, you know, you could do so much more and enjoy your friends and have more buddies and have a better time if you weren't focused on reading your Bible and praying and studying and trying to help people. and You know, God really helped me with that, though. God showed me what a blessing, what an honor it is. It is the greatest honor of anyone's life. Whether you're preaching the gospel of Christ, whether you're working on a job site, doing whatever God's will for your life is, that's the chief end of man, to know God and to serve him and to love him. Yes. And Pastor Darren, it is a privilege. I don't understand why God would save me, but why God would use me. It just it blows my mind. I'm jumping away ahead, and I'll, I'll come back to this later. But Mount Victory, as we're going to talk about here in a moment, when God opened up that door for the mountain, our church signed the papers on this mountain, and like I said, we'll go back and talk about the history some, I'm sure. But this big old mountaintop that our church just purchased, I was walking across the mountaintop one afternoon, the ridgeline, and it's just me and God. Mm-hmm. And 
the Lord spoke to me and said, Ethan, I don't have to have you for this. And I fell down to my knees, and I wasn't, to my knowledge, even in my mind, even consciously think, thinking to myself that God had to have me. So I dropped to my knees and said, God, you're right. You don't have to have me. I, I know that. And I said, Lord, as a matter of fact, I, I don't feel like I can do this. I feel inadequate. Uh, Lord, if you want to have someone else pastor this church and lead this work, I'll resign Sunday. And God said, no, that's not what I want you to do. A couple of days later, I was walking that mountain again praying, and God came to me a second time, spoke to my heart, and said, I don't have to have you. And I dropped my knees again and said, Lord, I, I know you don't have to have me. But, Lord, if, if you want me to resign, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll step out of the way. God said, no, that's not what I want you to do. The third time, God spoke to my heart and said, I don't have to have you. Almost like Peter with Christ. Sure. And, and I said, Lord, I know you don't have to have me. You've made that clear, and I know that. But I want you to use me. And if there's any way you could use my life, and God said, that's it. I don't have to have you, but I want you. Yes. And Pastor Darren, it was such a you know, big moment in my life where I realized walking that mountaintop, realizing the, you know, the future that laid ahead for us, how inadequate I was, but how faithful God was, that God wanted to use me. Amen. No one was twisting God's arm. He wanted to use me. Amen. And all those listening and watching this, you know, God wants to use you. Yes. God's not being forced to use your life. God wants to use your life. That's right. And so my, my story is really about God, his grace in my life, growing up in a pastor's home, being saved in early age, serving God in early age. I have no regrets serving Jesus. God has been good to me. Amen. Amen. I, um, I got home from church last night, um, and someone sent me a link to the uh, Western North Carolina camp meeting. I think Brother Cody Zorn was preaching last night, and uh, he, he felt led to preach out of Ezekiel. Great book. Chapter 40, he started, he started reading. Um, as, he, as he did, I mean, just listen. In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourth, fourteenth year after the city was smitten, in the selfsame day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither. In the visions of God brought me into the land of Israel, and he set me upon a very high mountain. By which was as the frame of a city on the south. And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearances was like the appearance of brass with fine with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed, and he stood in the gate. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I will show thee, for to the intent that I may show them unto thee art thou brought hither. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. And behold, a wall on the outside of the house round about, and the man's hand a measuring reed of six cubits long by the cubit and a hand breadth. So he measured the breadth of the building and the one reed and the height one reed. And he just goes on through all these different, this room and this room, and, this, and all he does is measure, right? And, and you read chapter 40, and, and, you know, have you ever read, I mean, I've read the whole Bible through and through, but have you read, ever read through and through, and, and so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, and you're like, whoa, let's skip that. So all these measurements, right, this and this and this and this and this, and then you turn the next chapter, same thing. All these measurements mundane, boring, measurements, 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 chapter 42, measurements, 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 just going through the motions. And chapter 43, afterward he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east, and behold the glory of the God of Israel 
came from the way of the east. Amen. And his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell upon my face, and the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Amen. And Brother Cody says, his, t- his message was, who, what man, what type of man, what are some things in your life that you need to have to see the glory of God? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I started listening with intently. Had to stop it a couple times, sometimes to laugh, sometimes to praise God. And uh, by the time he was finished, this was his thought. Many of us, we do the mundane Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer services, connect groups, all these different things, and you're just going about it, going about it, going about it. And there's a movement today uh, in, in our churches that, Preacher, I know all that. Show me something new. Preacher, I know all that. Show me something big. Give me something big. You know, it's it's to the point now as a pastor, you're like, hey, be back tonight. Something big is going to happen. I'm going to preach something big. Be, be, you know, and and you, and, and there, you always got to lay this carrot out there to get people to come back. That's what's going on now. Yes, sir. But when you look back in chapter 41, the word little, or chapter 40 maybe, is in there 11 times. Mm. How about that? Little. It's the little things. Yes, sir. And his thought was, you want to see the glory of God? Be faithful in the little things. And, and, and here, here's what you, you started with today. I didn't know what you were going to say. I had no, no clue. I mean, I have no, I have no idea, and I have no program, no plans for how this, podca- how this podcast needs to go. But that's in my heart, and it's just, we want to see the glory of God yes, sir. in Avery County, yes, sir. in Western North Carolina. In America, yes, sir. People, people have told me said it's too late for America, preacher. You've lost your mind. And I told him, I said, you just insulted God. Amen. You, yes, sir. you just told right. God what He can't do. D- did you know that only eleven percent of people believe the Bible to be God's authentic word? Out of three hundred thirty-five million people in America, only eleven percent believe it's God's word. That means eighty-nine percent's lost. Do you see the fields white to harvest? How could we say it's too late when there's such possibilities? <laughs> there's so many things that's out yes, there. Sir. And so what you're telling young people is, and, and you're telling adults that are my age, you know what? You want to see the glory of God? Be faithful. Yes, sir. He doesn't have to have us, right. but he wants to use Amen. us. Amen. 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 And, uh, boy, I appreciate you being that man that uh, God would use and, and you would be uh, in a position where you, you want to receive the glory of God and you want to share the, the glory of God with others. And, brother, you have been doing that. Uh, tell me, what a great testimony you've got there. Sometimes growing up in a preacher's home, I'm a preacher's kid. This yeah. guy's a preacher's kid. Yeah. All three of us are PKs, right? Yeah. Sometimes the devil will come to you and say, oh, you don't really have this great testimony. Like, I was going to the same hell. Yeah. Yes, sir. 
you know, and God, God saved me with the same blood right. of Jesus Christ. It took, it took the same death on the cross. It took the same burial and the same resurrection, yep. and I'm so thankful. Tell me about uh, God sending you. Talk about a little bit. Maybe, maybe you might talk a little bit about um, when you was there with your dad. At, as you talk about his church a little bit. Tell him the name of it, uh, where it's located. Give, give a plug for that church. It's a great church. Yes, sir. You know, that's Wonderful. Great, that's a great church. Give a plug for that church. Talk about some maybe some some great things that you've seen there, and then how I'm sure God breaking your heart to leave there and go out and and become a pastor. I remember that for me as well as with, with my dad at his church at Fletcher. It broke my heart to leave, but I was so excited because yes. I knew God was sending me. Amen. And it was it was hard to leave, but easy to go. Yes, sir. And I think one day that's going to be what dying's going to be like. Yeah. It's going to be hard to leave. Because I got people I love here, this gonna be easy to go. What a thought! Because I know where Amen. I'm going. Amen. Amen. Talk a little bit about that, if you would, brother Ethan. Sure. So uh, my hero is my dad. Amen. I just thank God for my dad. He's Michael Green, the pastor of the Bibleway Baptist Church in Boom. Mm-hmm. Been there, like I said, almost 28 years faithfully. First church he ever come to. Been there since the very beginning uh, of his ministry, and just been a faithful, you know, stalwart for God. Mm-hmm. And you know. I realize, you know, being a PK like we all three, like you just mentioned we are, uh, you see good, bad, and ugly. Yes. Uh, and you see a lot of, of people, yes. the signs of people. Um, and, and that affected me, but not like it has others. You know, one thing I could say about my dad and my mom is they were genuine. You know, we, I know we live in a day of scandals, and, and everybody wants to paint all preachers and, and churches with a broad brush, which is unfair. Right. But they, they say that all preachers are the same. They're not. You know, thank God for men of God who are, are men of integrity and character. And my father, who he was behind the pulpit, was the same man that he was at the house. Amen. And my mother was the same way. Amen. And what really done it in my life was, yes, I have the testimony of being saved young and, and getting called to preach, but really what it, where it goes back to is my father had his prayer spot up on top of the mountain and I remember as a little boy, before we even had a four-wheeler, we'd walk, takes about 30 minutes to climb the hill, but going up there with my dad as just a little boy and my earliest recollections of my daddy praying. And I remember as a little fella, there's a little tree that had been cut down, had a stump that was about the right height for me as a you know, five, six-year-old kid for a pulpit. So I'd preach and play around while dad was praying. But always I was amazed by how my daddy talked to God as though it was him talking to God face-to-face on the mountain. Sure, sure. And God used that in my life to where we don't have to just go through the motion, but God can be intimate with us, and we can be intimate with him. And so he's pastored faithfully. We've seen some wonderful moves of God in that church, like you said, and some wonderful meetings, and we, that's where God called me to preach. And those people will always be special in my life. Absolutely. They believed in me when no one else did, and Amen. when they had never even heard of Ethan Green, that church had, <laughs> took me under their wing and, and would slip in, you know, a little love offer in my pocket, say, go on and serve God, we're praying for you. Right. And so that church, Bible Way Baptist Church in Boone, has always been just a faithful congregation led by my dad for now almost three decades. And uh, thank God for him and my mother. And to go back, if I could, and say sure. something about testimonies, sure. Sure. that was one thing that was hard for me as a child, you know, and even for the longest time, because I struggled when God saved me at eight it was wonderful, but I struggled 
with knowing I saved for the longest time. I'm sure. I battled whether I was truly born again or not up until I was 15. So I was preaching for a year, and I can take you to the spot in my mother's flower garden where God settled it in my heart once and for all. Thank God Amen. that I had been born again. But what was hard for me is I didn't have the dramatic testimony. Right. I mean, like you said, we're raised in pastor's home. I didn't know even the names of a lot of sins, let alone the actual act of sin. And the devil really bothered me about that. I'd hear people come through and thank God for their testimony, but they talk about how God saved them out of the ditch or out of the jail cell. And I'm just a little kid that knew I was lost yes. and wanted to be born again. Yeah. And I heard a song just a couple of years ago that God really used to minister in my heart. And the song said in it, I thank God for saving me from my sin, but also saving me from what I could have been. Amen. Yeah. And God showed me that the same nature that's in the worst of the worst was in me. And yes, God saved me at an early age, but had he not saved me when he did, I'd be as bad off as him. God's His salvation for a young person is as miraculous as anybody else. Yes, sir. If God, like you just mentioned, God saving you in a pastor's home or God saving you in a home that's that's busted up and broken apart, it takes the same grace yes. to Amen. reach down and save you. Amen. So, you know, I thank God for salvation and thank God for a godly heritage. And, and my grandpa served God faithfully for many years. And, and the old farm I grew up on, uh, my great-great-uncle, Frank, uh, Wilson never was allowed to have children. God never permitted him and his wife to have children. They loved God, served God, but they never understood why God would never give them children. And when my grandpa was sitting on his front porch, this is years and years ago, before my dad was even out of high school, and dad had never even talked about preaching, my Uncle Frank looked at my grandpa and said, Gerald said, uh, Michael ought to build on this property. He said, me and Ada have never had children, and this would be a great place for him to build a house and raise a family. And my papa said, well, Frank, why do you say that? He said, well, it's a good place for a preacher. Wow. And my grandpa said, Amen. Frank, do you think that Michael's going to be a preacher one day? And he said, I know so. God's told me. Amen. And he said, this mountain has all kinds of places where a preacher can raise his family in seclusion and go to God in prayer and talk to the Lord. Amen. Had no idea. My uncle Frank died several years before my daddy announced his call to preach. And then just a few years ago, my grandfather told my dad the story. And that house still stands on the property. That wow. front porch is still there with the porch swing where that conversation was had. <laughs> so the, the godly heritage goes way back. All those investments. Yes. You know, so thank God for a goodly heritage. And, Amen. And God's been so good. And then same thing with Victory Baptist Church. You know, it was hard leaving Bible way, like you said. But as you so well put it, you know, God made it easy to go at the same time. I was interim pastor at a church in, in Tennessee for six months. God prepared me at that church uh, before closing that door and leading me elsewhere. Victory gave me the call, said, would you come candidate at this church? I knew, I had no idea where Squirrel Creek was. So we get down there, just a little group of people, just a handful of people on a Sunday morning. I preached to the church, older congregation, and uh, really didn't think nothing of it. Think, thought I'd never be back, that they kept calling. Mm -hmm. And uh, we kept going because that was the open door. And finally, they approached us and asked if we had considered taking the church. And it was a Wednesday night. Had just, a, I mean, a handful of people on this Wednesday. Had a choir that's that'd be like really a quartet in a church, but it was their choir. And I said on the front row as I was sitting there, Lord, you're going to have to put a love in my heart for this church like I had a love in my heart for Bible Way. Yeah. God, this has got to be home if this is where you want me to labor. And before the choir got done singing their song, God filled my heart with a love for that people that I just can't explain. 
it wasn't a big church, wasn't a wealthy church, wasn't a young church by any means. Me and Catherine were by far the youngest in that, that church, <laughs> except maybe one or two others. But I fell in love with that group of people, and what a ride it has been. God has been so good. The journey has been great. It's a wonderful church. Before you came there, I preach a lot of meetings. Brother Beaver yes, sir. was the pastor there. Yes, sir. And um, he, he came by here one Sunday night after he was pastoring there at Victory. He came by, and someone outside after the Sunday night service says, uh, Preacher Darren, there's a elderly gentleman, I think he's a pastor, that is waiting outside to speak with you. I said, well, invite him in. And they said, I think he's waiting for you to come out. I said, okay. <laughs> and so I went out and talked to him. He said, son, God has showed me that you're supposed to come preach revival. Yeah. So I don't know if you even knew that I've got to come preach revival there. At, I'd at heard Reed. that. So, yes. So, and and uh, I, I went there, I preached there, and I was preaching a message about how the Lord was riding the donkey yeah. and uh, how that our job as the donkey is to lift him up. Don't look Amen. at me, look at our rider. Yes. Look look at who look at who we're lifting up. And sometimes us floppier donkeys, we get discouraged. And sometimes he lifts up that little flap on our ear and says, I chose you. Amen. <laughs> well, that'll put a stir in your step. Yes, sir. And he just about, as I was crawling across it, he just, he grabbed a hold of my shoulder. I thought he was going to jump on my back. <laughs> so, <it's all> right. <laughs> yeah. so anyway, had a great, great meeting there, great meeting there. And so I know that the Victory Baptist Church was ready for, I mean, when Brother Beaver left there, they didn't know what they were going to do, trying to figure out, you know, just exactly, uh, you know. I, I, they would call and say, y'all be praying for us down here. So we, on this end of the county, were praying for the Victory Baptist Church up on the other end of the county at Squirrel <laughs> Creek, amen, uh, that God would, just like I started this podcast, that God would send his man. Amen. You know? Yes, and I would say like Brother Raymond said to me, are you the man God sent? And you don't have to answer that because I know you I know you are. I, I know that. I, I see it. There's evidence of it all around. You, you became pastor there in 2018. 18. Yes, sir. So when you started pastoring there, you're one of the youngest people there. I know that to be true. I, I, I preached there. Yes, sir. And, and uh, I remember where I first pastored, we had 23 people on Sunday morning. Uh, it was me, my wife, and my daughter. This, this young man over here, Luke, wasn't born yet. Me, my wife, and my daughter were, were there. At, and um, I remember praying specifically as you did, God, create a, love, create a love within me for these people. Make this, a, if I could say, a, a Fletcher yeah. for you, a Bible way. Make this here. Yes, Do sir. it here in Squirrel Creek, what you're doing. Do that for us, Lord. And he's, he more that has done it. So tell me, you came to Victory Baptist Church 2018. Tell me about um, early ministry there. Tremendous growth that God has sent into that church. Tremendous growth. I know it's not you. I know who it is. It's Jesus that's yes, doing it. I know Amen. that. We're going to give him, the, I know you'll give him the glory. We're going to give him the glory here. Um, you're seeing the glory fill the house. Yes, sir. If I could encourage you, uh, you know, I, I'm pastor now. 30 years myself, close to it. I encourage you, 
keep doing the mundane, just like Brother Cody said last night. Keep, keep, keep measuring. You may say, well, I'm not writing this down. This don't make no sense. Why do I need to do this? Why do I need to go back across this mountain? You told me yesterday you didn't need me. You told me today you don't need me. But there's a reason, right? Yes, sir. So stay faithful. Amen. Stay faithful. And I, I believe with all my heart God's given you that desire for God. Right. So talk to me about that early ministry there and, and then leading up to to the camp meeting that you had, you know, and uh, and then Mount Victory. Talk about this is gonna get this is gonna be great, y'all. Okay. There's a lot of stories here. A lot of stories. <laughs> there is. Um so preacher James Beaver, like you said, thank God for him. Yes. Uh he's our Moses. And we're reaping right now in fields where he sowed for 35 years. Yes. And there were times where bigger churches, wealthier churches called him, wanted him to come. But he stayed faithful with just a handful of people, Preacher Beaver. And it wasn't because he wasn't a great preacher. Preacher Beaver is one of the greatest men I've ever heard or met in my life. Me too. (laughs) So, you know, but it's just a season where the church was in. He stayed faithful and and worked and preached and labored among those people, built a core group of people. And he's he's the reason. I God and Preacher James Beaver are the, the reasons why God is doing on Mount Victory and at Victory Baptist Church what he's doing. So thank God for those men. Preacher Beaver is 97 years old and uh, got a sharp mind. And I just, I go about once a month to see him and he prays. And I just, I want him to, I go over there just have him pray for me. And what a blessing that he is. Uh, so we got to Victory. And like you said, God puts that desire in your heart. Yes, he does. And I actually told the church last night that when you study Hebrews 11, you know, all of those mentioned in Hebrews 11, there's a restlessness. They wanted more. Yes. They, they weren't content with just what they had been told or heard. They wanted to know it for themselves and follow God for themselves. And same thing with, with Victory Baptist Church. I know you knew Dr. Ray, and you've been to the camp many times. And Camp Zion in Myrtle, Mississippi, what a special place. Amen. I've been there probably a dozen times or more in my life. Yes. And we go about two tw- times a year to go pray and and heard the stories, no, uh, Dr. Farley, and what a dear man he is, followed in the footsteps of, of Dr. Ray. And when I come to victory, God doesn't, we realize he doesn't duplicate himself, but God has a pattern. And I, I said, Lord, what you've done in, in a little place called Myrtle, Mississippi, yes. and you know just a wide spot in the road, yes. God, you could do it in little Squirrel Creek. Yes. Like, you can do it right here for us. And so God immediately from the time I took the church, began putting that desire in my heart, believing God for more, praying for more, desiring God to see more. And there's people that come up to me and said, people will never travel down this curvy road to Squirrel Creek to the church. And I said, well, let's just believe God. And before we knew it, people were making the, their way down the crooked road to Squirrel Creek to Victory Baptist Church. So God began growing the church and, and doing things. And, you know, it's amazing when God will put things in your heart. When I was in that church, uh, interim pastor in Tennessee, God put in my heart, there was a piece of property right next to the church that uh, I had, a, God put it in my heart to buy the property if, if I was a pastor so we could have tent revival and youth camp. Mm-hmm. And I, took, I told the church, I said, you know, if you vote me in and this is God's will, why don't we buy this property next door? They kind of laughed at it and I did too. But I said, I'm, I'm kind of serious. Let's really pray about this. So God had already put things in my heart before I ever come to victory. I just didn't realize it. And when I come to Victory, after God shut the door in Tennessee on that church, all the dreams of buying church property and youth camp and tent revivals faded. When I come to Victory, 
I didn't think another thing of it. There wasn't no property around the church anyway to buy. Um, but about two years after all those dreams, God began bringing back around and reminding me that what he'd put in my heart in Tennessee was not just a one-place thing, but it was a plan for my life. That God wanted that to be a part of my ministry. And we began looking for land. Me and my wife were driving an hour one way just to get to church. At that time, we didn't have no kids, thank the Lord. So it was a lot easier we could do it. But we were looking for property. It's 2020, the year of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, land and houses are going through the roof. We, we know that. People moving from the cities trying to escape the riots and the yes. unrest yes. and all the pandemic. And so it's hard for local people, young people, just starting out to find land. Is a Wednesday night, the last Wednesday of June 2020. We're driving up. We see this house. We're unimpressed by it. But I say, Catherine, there was a piece of land that was advertised for sale on the way to where we are right now. Let's go back and check it. We got a little time before church. So it's like, all right. We get to the piece of property. Sure enough, there's the for sale by owner sign. It opens up this wide level spot on top of the mountain overlooking the town of Newland. And the man who owned the property happened to be there, and I got to talking to him. And he said, yes, it's for sale. There's 32 acres of land. We're asking $1.2 million. And I said, what's, uh, you know, what's your vision for this place? He's like, camp. Well, that's all he said. <laughs> I said, I, I agree with that. Yes. <laughs> well, come to find out, he wasn't talking about the same camp I was talking about. <laughs> He's talking about like an RV camp. Yes. But I told him, I said, you know, I, I could see a camp as well, but I'm talking about youth camp. And this would be a great level spot for a tent, for a tent revival, having camp meeting up here. And, and he was a Christian, and, and he said, well, well, we'll make this available to you anytime you want to use it. And, and we got to talking about prices back and forth. You know, he come down to around $800,000 for the 32 acres of land. And I was really excited about it. Went to church that night, told the church, listen, I can't tell you what it is just yet, but I need you to pray. I need direction from God. And there were some of my deacons, the men of the church, one by one, I start taking them to this piece of land and saying, Lord, if, if you're in us buying land, put it in their heart as well. Mouth of two or three witnesses, the word shall be established. Amen. And every one of them, when I told them the 32 acres for $800,000, instead of them saying, Preacher, we need to back up. This is crazy. All of them said, Preacher, we can see it. Yes. We can see it. God put in their heart what he put in my heart. Amen. Well, Fast forward into August, we're about to take the church up to that 32 acres of land. It's Saturday. The next day on Sunday, we're going up there. We're going to roll it out to the church, pray together on that land about buying the land. And God said no. And I called the gentleman who owned the property. I said, God said, you understand this being a Christian that as he spoke to my heart, he just took all peace out of my heart. I can't take the church up there tomorrow. I know you've mowed, you've cleaned the property up. We'll reimburse you for your time, your labor, whatever we need to do. He said, no, don't worry about it. He said, just keep praying and we'll see. Of course, he was hoping we'd buy it, and I wanted to as well. But God shut that door, and I was, I was baffled. For months, we've been fasting and praying and walking this piece of property. I'm like, God, is this just a test? What is it? That evening on Sunday, when we should have been on that mountain that I thought we should have been on the mountain, a gentleman in the church said, this past week, I was walking on another piece of property across town. And so I think you need to go take a look at it. So on September the 14th, 2020, me and my wife and Brother Luke Crow, youth pastor at our church, drove up in my Subaru Legacy, found the address, and there was a four-wheel drive only sign. I thought, oh, this is going to be fun. And it was just a side road straight up the side of a mountain, like a logging road. Yeah. We took that Subaru Legacy up there. It was foggy, been raining all day long. 
And we got to the top of the mountain, and when I opened my car door, it's like walking out into a cloud. I couldn't see nothing. And I said, well, I've, I've been told there's land up here. I just can't see it. <laughs> I said, Luke, I'm going to do a little bit of praying. Catherine's sitting in the car. Luke went one way. I went the other. And I was walking down this ridge line, and I said, now, Lord, I said, you know why I'm up here. And about the time I said that, God, the Holy Spirit, spoke to my heart and said, this is it. This is the property. I want it. And there's a rock. There's a spot on that mountain I could take you to, the very spot, as clear as my name is Ethan Green, as much as I know I'm saved on my way to heaven. God said, this is it. And I went to shouting. Well, Luke couldn't see me. I couldn't see him. <laughs> but he could hear me. And I said, God, you did it before I could ever ever see it. You've already given me the word by faith, not by sight. Right. I said, but Lord, it'd be wonderful. I'm going to take this to the church and say we found the property. The search is over. But I would love to see this before I leave the mountain. And it wasn't but a couple of minutes that God, it's like he cut a hole in the cloud bank, the fog, stuck the sun like a light bulb through this cloud, burned it off. And there's a wall of fog all around the rim of that mountain. And just on the top of Mount Victory, just where that land was, is where you could see. God opened that whole thing up like God pulled back the curtain and said, here's the mountain. Amen. And I got back in the car, and we, we shouted, rejoiced all the way back off, took it to the church. And um, the men, deacons in the church that we were praying with, we got to talking about it. The asking price for the 81 acres of land that we just come off of was a million dollars. And they'd come down to 659000 from a million. So it's already a lot better. Yeah. Either you've got 32 acres for 800000 or you get 81 for 659000 So oh, yeah, it's a lot yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. So the 32 acres was just a test. And yes. sometimes God, I found out, will, will put tests in your path. Yes. And to, to see if you go and trust him. And then when God closes the door, there's a clear message in those closed doors. Sometimes the hardest thing is when you're serving God and you say, God, this door has been wide open. And then you get to it, about to walk through it, and then God shuts the door in front yeah. of you. Yes. And you're sitting in the hallway saying, God, I... What happened? Yes. And that's what I did for a little while. But when God opened up the 81 acres, I said, this is it. Thank God for it. But we got the praying, and God made it clear we're to offer $500,000 for this piece of land. And so we went to the bank the following day. This is on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, I go to the, the realtor's office, and I said, we'd like to make an offer on that piece of land. And they said, how much? I said, well, we want to make an offer for $500,000. And she said, well, Pastor, you know the economy, you know the housing market, they're not going to accept that. Is there a better offer? Like kind of come up a little more. I said, no, if this is God's will, God's made this clear that we're not, we're, we're firm on this price. If God yeah. wants us to have it, it'll be $500,000. Right. So a couple of days later, she called and asked if I was sitting down. I said, I'm driving down the road. So yeah, why do you ask? She said, because there's no counter offer. <laughs> They've accepted the offer and they would do it for nobody else except a church. And the family who's all across the country they inherited this land, happened to be up the day you were in my office, and when I told them what it was, they went up on the mountain, and they said they could see youth camp all over that mountain. Wow. And God put it in their heart as well. Yeah. So we took it to the church, and, you know, we're not going, I won't focus on this part, never have called names, even to this day, you know, our church, the new people don't even know who the names of the people were, but we, we had kickback. There was a lot of people who said, you're going to bankrupt the church, uh, heard that a lot. And I said, well, you might bankrupt my church, but you're not going to bankrupt God's church. <laughs> That's right. And, I mean, we lost people, deacons, treasurer. We, we lost people, every position in the church, we lost a lot. And people walking out, and you know how it is in, in a small town. Sure. If it's good news, it's wonderful. Right. But if it's gossip or rumor or bad news, it travels like wildfire, and it's right. against you. Right. And 
there for several weeks, it was rough. We had families leaving the church, families you know, not talking to each other, family reunions that were just awful. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, was a, it was a division in our church. And I didn't know. I mean, I'm, I'm 24 at this time. First pastorate, you know, we stepped out by faith, trying to sign the bank note on $500,000, and the church is falling all to pieces. And I felt like a failure, scared to death. But God just gave that peace that this was God's will. And we had to have $175,000 down payment for this 81 acres of land. And that was a challenge. We could not find a bank to give us a loan until finally we found one. And then they said $175,000. We didn't even have that in our general fund. So here we are, a small church that God's been blessing, but we're still small. Half of our people just walked out. The big givers just walked out the door. I've got nothing but, you know, people working two or three jobs make ends meet. And... We've got half a million dollars of debt that we're wanting to sign on to. Yeah. Seemed crazy. And you know how this is, Pastor. When you step out by faith, sometimes it does look crazy. But God makes a way like he did for Moses when there is no way. And on a Sunday night with 51 people, I remember we took up pledge offerings. We had pledge cards and said, here's what God's put on our heart. If it's God's will, then he's going to put it on your heart to give, and he'll make up the down payment. Yes. If it doesn't, We'll say, all right, yes. it's been fun, been wonderful. We're going back up and, and say, God, we'll just keep serving you where we're at. Yeah. That night, we had all those people with their pledge cards come and sign those pledge cards and bring them in. And the final tally that night was over $142,000. <laughs> and by the following week, they had over one hundred and sixty. And by the time we went to the bank, the $175,000 out of just a handful of people had been brought in. Amen. And it didn't take six months. For, they, they're going to their banks. They brought the money right then, and God made the down payment for that property. Amen. That following year, God brought people into the church who built roads for livings, who, who uh, built trails, hiking trails for a living. God yeah. brought all the people in, just well, like you've seen here at Bethel. That's what he does. God brought all the people with the know-how skills, Seems brought to them to the mountain, mm-hmm. and we built the road, had a tent revival that was scheduled for one week, broke out, went five weeks, only heaven holds a number of conversions. The men that announced their call to preach, God done some eternal things. Just we could be here all day talking about that one tent revival. A few months after that, 13 months to the, to the week around that time, 13 months later from the time we signed the note on the half a million dollars piece of land, God paid it off. <laughs> God paid off half a million dollars. And, and it, you know, we've been criticized. People say, well, you could spend God's money better different ways. Here's what amazes people. The, the mountain itself, the 81 acres of land, half a million dollars was not tithe money. It was above and beyond tithe money. Amen. We weren't dipping into the church general fund or nothing for that. God's people gave above and beyond and said, we're going to give to this mountain. And so God's paid that off. Last year we had a tent revival two and a half weeks. God done a great work there as well. We've got tent revival scheduled this year. It starts on the last Monday of August, August the 28th. Okay. goes for two weeks. Brother Heath Williams will be preaching. Brother Daniel Buchanan in the mornings at 1030. Uh, night services at 7 o'clock. But, you know, God's been so good and, and taking a, a handful of people. And here's something else. You've seen this in your ministry. The people that did not believe God and said, you're going to bankrupt the church, and they walked away. God filled their seats back yes, up. He does that. And now... To God be all the glory, that handful of people that was there almost six years ago, 
Now the church is blessed to the Lord. We've got them sitting in the choir loft on Sunday morning. we got closed circuit TV in our fellowship hall. So every Sunday morning we've got our members sitting, packing out the fellowship hall. So we're using it in both areas, the sanctuary, the fellowship hall, all that is full. And God's church rolls on. Yes. God's been good to us. Yes. So stepping out by faith, as you know, and you've, we've seen this here at Bethel, mm-hmm. you know, God blesses those mm-hmm. who step out by faith. And J. Hudson Taylor made a quote one time. He said, God's will done in God's way will never lack for God's supplies. That's right. Amen. He takes care of his needs. Amen. It's been wonderful. You know, sometimes that pressure gets on you financially, you know, just like what you were facing there, and, and you're like, oh. Lord, I really need, I know you own the cattle on a thousand hills, and I need you to sell some of them and send us the money. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, know? sir. You know, and, and, and finances, a lot of times I'm a bean counter, right? I, I, when I worked at public jobs, uh, as, as God promoted me up through just being a simple factory worker up into the front office, my job was to be a bean counter. I was working with purchasing. We were bringing things in and, and receiving, bringing things in, and then work with shipping as well. Things so I was in charge of things coming in and things going out and and I couldn't tell me times I would say as a bean counter, this don't add out. This will not add up. This does does not compute. Yes, sir. <laughs> get get your calculator out. There's there's no way. And and you go back to the miracle of the loaves. Yes, sir. Yes. He's sir. got five thousand men, not to mention the women and the children, maybe maybe twenty thousand people yes, sir. or more. Yes, sir. And 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 uh the disciples said, send them away. And Jesus said, give ye them to eat. Oh, and he said, he said, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. So sometimes, you know, you said we need $500,000. We need to get $175,000 down payment. We don't have it. Well, go and see. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go, go and see. And all of a sudden, not only is the 175 there, but half million. Amen. Comes in and pays Amen. it off. And just five loaves and two fishes, one little boy gave that. And was Andrew said, well, what is that among so many? Yes, sir. But when the Lord blessed it. Amen. And when the Lord break it. Yep. It was more than enough. Twelve baskets full left over. Yes, sir. Right? <laughs> so it was more than enough. Yep. So, uh, you know, I appreciate the, the, the tent meeting, that, the camp meeting that you started yes, at Mount Victory. Yes, sir. Right? And, and um I do want you to go into a little bit of detail about that first one. I know you sit here and you think, if I say that, people are going to think I'm bragging. But, son, brag on the Lord. Amen. Give glory to God. It's amazing. We we glory in our ball teams. We glory in our children. But we need to glory in Jesus Christ. We need to glory in God. And that very first meeting that was there, I, I had just recently had COVID myself, wasn't able to attend, but I was able to listen how I got help and the miraculous, marvelous things that took place there. And no doubt, you know, I've had people, you know, you're a pastor. Here's your rationale. I've had people leave my church, but God's not left me. Yes, sir. I've had people say you're going to bankrupt it. But as long as God's on the throne, he'll never go bankrupt. (laughs) It's his church. Amen. It's not my church. Yes, sir. It's his church. Yes, sir. And just like Peter you know, walking on the water, you don't have to, hey, Jesus is the water walker. Yes, Amen. Sir. Amen. He's the head, and the head's not going under. Amen. Amen. The head's not going under. So I would like for you to talk about that just, just a few minutes, if you don't mind, about, you know, you, you scheduled it and, and some of the things that happened, and then you had to have enough faith to keep going. Talk about that if you would. Before you, before you go into that, 
uh, also talk about getting Heath to come, uh, Heath Williams to come preach, like how you got in contact with him and getting him to come and stuff like that as well. And, the, right. ca- and the Camp Zion connections. Yeah. I hate to keep interrupting, but the Camp Zion connections. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, folks, if you've never been to Camp Zion in Myrtle, Mississippi, I challenge you to go. It will change your life. Just one trip. Yes, sir. It will change your life. My daddy took us down there for the first time in 1979. He took us every year. We couldn't go to the one in March because I was in school. But back then, you know, it was in July, yes, end of July. And, and we, would, we would go with him. And Dad, young, just a young minister himself, he would, at the end of the camp, Brother Percy would have all the preachers come up as we were ready to leave. And it was, he was sad because we were leaving. You know, the church runs back then 40, 50 people. Yes, sir. And I know people, I tell people, he run 40, 50 people. There's no way 50 people can do that. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's God. Yes, sir. Right? And, and, and I, would go to my, I would go with my daddy for that last prayer, and I would crawl up underneath my daddy as he crawled up underneath those, those uh, prayer kneeling benches, yeah. those prayer in the altar, and the preacher would pray over us. I, I didn't belong up there, but I went with my daddy. Amen. And I'm, it changed my world. So Amen. talk to us. All, that's a lot of stuff. Sure. But talk to us, preacher. All right. Well, well, you're right. It all ties in. And I believe, I think we've spoke about this before. Every, every man that God's ever used, every pastor, every church, every great movement in the last half century can be traced back to Camp Zion. It's the truth. Honest. It's the truth. I mean, you look in at my life, it's the truth. Every man ever used of God in my life. Yeah. was impacted somewhere, either had a direct or indirect connection to Camp Zion. And so uh, next year will be their 75th anniversary for, for Camp Zion Camp Amen. Meeting. Amen. It's incredible. So uh, several years ago, I got acquainted with Brother Daniel Buchanan. Uh, through him, I met my wife. My wife grew up at New Beginning Baptist Church in Lenore through Brother Daniel Buchanan. I went on that trip. Mm-hmm. They would pray in the new year every year. Yes. And I remember on that trip, Several years ago, I'd have to go back and think about what year that was, but there was a man I was friends on Facebook with that, you know, I got to meet for the first time, Heath Williams. Yes. I was at Camp Zion in the Bethany house, and he was on the front porch when I saw Heath Williams for the first time. We got to spend the whole week together praying, believing God, yes. and God knit our hearts at Camp Zion. Amen. So when we come down to it, you know, of course, the whole time of purchasing the property uh, and and getting the road built, praying about the tent revival. Brother Heath was in all of those discussions, all those prayer meetings. We'd go places, pray, Cool Spring Baptist Church. We, you know, we talk about places like that, Sandy Creek. Um, and we, just, of course, going back to Myrtle, pray together. And God put it on my heart, really, at those places of prayer, to have Brother Heath in to preach the very first tent revival. Mm-hmm. And Cool Spring Baptist Church, like I just alluded to, was one place I went, just me and the Lord, and it's on the Blue Ridge Parkway going towards Deep Gap. Uh, got the talking to God, and God solidified some things in my heart. And so I talked to Brother Heath. God put it in his heart, too, gave him the messages. And so here we are, just two young men, you know, saying, hey, let's put up a tent. And my dad had a tent from years of tent ministry. And my dad had a, a fifth section. His tent has four sections he'd put up for years. And he had he bought a fifth one years ago, probably 10 years ago. He'd put that fifth middle section up maybe once. And never put it up again, never needed to. Wow. And he never understood why God put it in Dad's heart to buy a fifth section if they need, never needed it until Mount Victory. And when we set up 
the tent on top of Mount Victory. Step of faith right there because here we I'm are. i have a spell. <laughs> we, we, we get that tent up, and Dad said, son, we've got that fifth section. I said, well, Dad, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're on top of Mount Victory. No one's ever been here, and, and <laughs> they don't know nothing of it. But I believe if, if, if we put it up, and Dad said, son, I believe you're right. Let's put up all five, five number of grace. Yes, sir. <laughs> put up that, that tent of grace on top of this mountain yeah. that uh, God can fill it up. So that's exactly what we did. We set up all five sections of Dad's big tent, seats around eight to 900 people under the tent, set it up on top of the mountain, and you know, here we come, week number one, night number one. Yeah. And we were blown away, the people that come out for that first night of the revival. And me and Brother Heath have talked about this before. It's like Monday night was like Friday night. Yes. It just, it was taken off. Like, it didn't have to build. It was already there. Yeah. It's like Monday night, God just settled in that place. People getting saved, people getting helped. And every night, it just kept on building as hard as that is for some that might be listening to believe. I mean, it just kept getting better and better and better. And by Friday night, the daughters of Calvary come in and they sung, had such a powerful touch of God on their life. And God used them. And we had a giving service. And, and, um, but that was week number two. Excuse me. They sung, God blesses a youth night. God moved in a mighty way. I was struggling with what to do. And God made it very clear to extend the meeting another week. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Darren, as you know, moderate meetings, that is a scary place to be. It's scary. Because you don't want to, you know, you it don't is. want to drag the meeting or you don't want to, you don't want to do something outside of God's will. Right, right. And if it was up to my flesh, I would have ended it, you know, after the first week said thank God for what he did and just left it at that but God made it very clear we're moving forward second week during that five-week meeting we've got these wrote down a lot of the stories they all run together though but there's one night I believe it's the second Friday night we uh and you're well acquainted with this through Camp Zion and here at Bethel had a giving service yes and that night we were taking up a special offering we were going to dedicate Mount Victory to God we're still making payments on the land We're going to dedicate it to the Lord. And that night, we noticed that as someone was uh, had brought up their money, the offering plates had been laid on the altar benches, that there was a wedding band in one of the the plates. And someone told me, and I told Brother Heath, he is up and heads about eyes are closed. We're taking up this offering. We're about to dedicate the mountain to God. And this offering that we'd just taken was the go towards the expense of paying off Mount Victory. We weren't begging people. We weren't asking. None of this was programmed. This was totally nothing that was about to happen was planned at all. Couldn't have. But when I noticed the ring after I'd been told, I told Brother Heath, and Brother Heath understood what that meant. He got up and he shared with the people. He said, someone has laid their wedding band in the plate. And What that means is they had nothing else to give. The most precious thing they had to give was their wedding band. Right. Yeah. And so the, the lesson behind that, what you would do, is someone has the opportunity to, to redeem that, yes, the sir. redeeming offering. If, if someone over here, say someone say if I give my wedding band, and I say I want to give this, I don't have money, I don't have anything on me, but I want to give something to this mountain that's of any kind of value, I'll give my ring, and you take my ring, mm-hmm. and you, you uh, pawn it, you sell it, whatever, and whatever comes in from that ring, you put all the proceeds back towards that mountain and that offering. But also, someone over here has a chance to say, listen, I don't want him to lose that ring. I don't want it to be pawned or sold. I'll pay the value of that ring. Mm -hmm. So say this ring is worth, let's just say $500. Mm -hmm. I say I don't have $500 on me, but I've got a ring worth $500. So I'm going to give my $500 ring in that plate. You take it, 
you sell it, pawn it, whatever, get the 500, put it on the mountain. Or over here, someone says, hey, let's, let's cut through all that. Don't waste your time going to the pawn shop. Don't waste your time trying to sell this and collect the money. I've got $500. I'll redeem that ring, and you give that ring back to Brother Ethan. Yeah. So that night, we had someone come over, and they said, that wedding band, we want that sister. Whoever it is, they had no idea who it was. Sure. Heads bad eyes closed. It's in private. Right. Said, whoever gave that ring, we'll pay. And they gave whatever the amount that ring's value was worth. Come get it. They Come get it. It's redeemed. So the woman came, and she got the ring. Amen. Well, before we knew it, it's not just one. It's many people. Just one after another. And before the night was over, there were car keys. People giving their car keys, <laughs> placing them in the, in, the, in the offering bowls, buckets. And there was one set of keys that did not get redeemed when the whole night was over. Because here's what people understood. If I give my wedding band back, or if, if I give it to God, or if I give my car keys, there's a chance this does not get That's redeemed. Right. That That's means right. you walk out of this place with no wedding band or no car. Yeah. Like, we're by faith giving, and whatever God does, that's, between, that's up to him alone. So when the night was over with, God had brought in all that money, and uh, over 100000 God brought in. Our church did. And here's what people thought about in that tent revival. They said, oh, Victory Baptist Church, you know, profited. Our church spent over, if, if I was tens of thousands of dollars yes. that we didn't recoup. For a meeting. Our church gave. And we didn't make a penny off of that. Right. I didn't make money. The church didn't go. Our, our general fund was cut in half yeah. because of that tent revival, that five week because of all the, the meals and the hotel lodging. You understand meetings, yes, the cost of them. Our church wasn't. So people say, all that money you brought in, you made a ton. Our church didn't see none of it. It all went to the mountain. That's yes. what people were giving towards. But that night there was, a, there was a, car, a set of car keys that no one had redeemed. And so, of course, like I just said, what you do with that is we would take it, sell a car. Mm-hmm. Whoever buys that car, we take the money in. If it's a car dealer, whoever it is, we take that money and we're going to put it towards a mountain. We're eating supper with all the preachers that night, and a dear friend of ours, Brother Travis Curlock, was sitting there with Brother Heath Williams. And uh, Heath said, hey, Ethan, uh, what, what car is that that never got redeemed? I said, I'm, I'm not really sure. I said, uh, I think it's a, a Honda Civic or something. He's like, Travis, you got to come here. Well, come to find out, Brother Travis had been praying for a vehicle. He's in full-time evangelism, been praying for a car, and not just any car. He'd been praying for a four-door Honda Civic. (laughs) God had someone give their car keys at night. Brother Travis Curlock had been praying for a four-door Honda Civic, and that's exactly the car that God provided that night. Wow. And someone that was sitting there that evening would redeem that car and said that God had already put it on our, on our heart to redeem that car. We just didn't have a chance to do it. So here's what happened. Brother Travis is praying for a car. It's proof you can't plan this out. Brother Travis has been praying for a car, Honda Civic. A young lady gives her Honda Civic. A man over here is on his heart to redeem a car. He just didn't get the chance in the meeting. He redeems the car, gives the car keys to Brother Travis. Brother Travis leaves the mountain driving a brand-new car. God honors a young lady for her faithfulness, and that gentleman had the chance to redeem it. So God's working all these things out. So to this day, Brother Travis is driving that four-door Honda Civic. Wow. <laughs> God bless. So, you know, the, the giving services on that mountain, just unusual like you've seen here. Oh, yeah. And so you've seen Brother Heath Williams, God's man, how God used Brother Heath 
He has a heart for revival. Yes. Unlike anyone his age, I yes. know of oh, this yes. generation. Yes. And God used him in such a mighty way. He's used him in my life and, and Brother Daniel to help and my dad and all these different ones to come together. Mm-hmm. And like you said, to believe that God can still send revival. Yes. And uh, it's not the, too late. No, sir. It's not too late. I, I told our people here, um, if you put your hands out, I know that revival and the future is in God's hands. Yes, sir. So if you put your hands out, your future, you've got to put your future in God's hands. So can you imagine when we were kids, we put our hands out, maybe we were going to draw a bow, maybe we were going to ride a bike, but our dads would put their hands on top of our hands like Joseph's father did. And so not only is that future of revival or of America's revival in God's hands, but it's in my your yes, hands, my yes, Luke's hand. And so people say it's too late for America. So I said, well, okay, if, that, if that's true, how about North Carolina? I said, oh, preacher, have you seen what's going on in North Carolina? It's too late for North Carolina. Okay. Well, what about Avery County? Preacher, it Avery County's too late for Avery County. So what about Bethel? What about Victory? Yes, sir. Oh, not everybody's exactly thrilled. Uh, it's too late for Bethel or too late for Victory. I said, well, okay, well, what about your family? Oh, our family. You can't witness to the family. I mean, they're, they're way too far gone to witness to the family. So I said, it comes back to just you. Yes, sir. Do you want it? Yes, sir. Revival is in your hands. And that's how it gets to the family. It's how it gets to the church. It's how it gets to Avery County. It's how it gets to North Carolina. It's how it gets to America. Yes, sir. And, and, and we see moves of God across our nation where people have a desire for him. Yes, sir. And he is granting revival yes, sir. to a remnant. I understand that, to a remnant. You know, for us here, I won't speak to the immensity of the project here. It was incredible. Young pastor in way over my head God doing very similar things I I went to banks and they told me no went to another bank told me I just told me no six times brother six times I was told no and I went to the seventh one and the guy looked at me and had all this stuff filled out and had a stack of paperwork and he said what is all this I said it's applications and all that stuff and he said okay you can give that to our secretary he called her in the office, gave it to her, and said, here's his paperwork. He said, uh, you've got the loan. I said, but I don't really know how much we need. He said, I know who you work for. Amen. Amen. And so, yeah, and, and to this day, I, I, you're able to sit here and say, we've got it paid off. Hallelujah. Well, we don't. We still owe a couple hundred thousand dollars. You know, sometimes the devil will try to jump on your shoulder, and you'll hear, well, Brother Ethan, Mount Victory's paid off. What's wrong with you? And Or you you hear such and such happened in another church, and somebody, it's paid off. How about you? And I thought about that little woman with the meal barrel. Yeah. It never ran out the top. <laughs> she, you hear <laughs> yes, these TV evangelists say, oh, it's just running out the top. Yeah. You, you send money to me, it'll run out the top. Yeah. Well, brother, she didn't send money to them. Yes, sir. She just kept trusting God, and she'd put her hand back in it the next day as just a handful, and it was just enough. Amen. And she'd do it just, and so just like that, every month we've been toiling yes, with that for years and years and years, and I have a school over there, and that school, yeah. it, 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 there is an addition 
that is so needed to that school when the devil says, you can't have it, and it's never going to happen, and there's no way, and all these things are against you. And God is just continuing to work in my heart. Trust me. Trust me. And so just having you here today, it's a good thing. It thrills my soul to know what God can do, and I love to be reminded. I Amen. need to be reminded Amen. of what God can do. And, and, and again, I'm that bean counter. I'm, I'm sitting here. You see, we leave him out of the equation. Yes, sir. I remember as a young man, uh, your mother and I, Luke, we, we've got a house payment. We've got two car payments. We've got insurance. We've got power bill. We've got all these bills. And I really, tithing was the last thing. I was raised in a preacher's home, but tithing was the last thing, not the first thing. It was the last thing. And God began to bring super correction and chastisement and discipline into my life until I put him first. Yes, sir. And then when I did, everything else fell. The shortages and the empty pockets weren't, I mean, there's, it's, 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 there's nothing left, but, yeah. but you give to him first, and look what he's done. Yes, sir. Look what he's done. So, so if you're out there and maybe you're, maybe you're a pastor, uh, maybe you're a daddy, uh, a, a mother, maybe you're a single mother, and, and there are money issues. Man, you are struggling. I'm challenging you. Look at that and put God first. Amen. Yes, these, sir. These people that gave their rings, yes, sir. guarantee you that was a struggle. Yes, at sir. Camp Zion, the first time I ever saw that, I was at Camp Zion, and this, they were lined up behind the pulpit, probably 15, 20 people deep, to testify. They weren't just standing up all over the congregation because you couldn't hurt them. It's too, yeah. it's too big. Yes, sir. It's too big. So you got to get up here on the microphone. And if you've got something to, to say and God lays it on your heart, He's going to give you the platform to say it. Yeah. So get up here. And a girl, she said, all afternoon long, I got saved this week. I gave everything I've got. I gave him my heart. I gave him my soul. I gave him my life. I gave him all my money. I don't even know how I'm going to get back exactly. And I looked down, and I've got this ring. And she took it off. And she said, I want to give this to God for whatever he, whatever he, and a man I, I, I had never seen anything like it, brother. I, I'd never seen anything like it. And a man jumps up from about the third or fourth row, and he is shouting, and he is waving a handkerchief over his head, and he is shouting, and he jumped in front of everybody else that was still lined up, and he said, y'all ain't going to believe it. I think he's from Texas. God showed me that I was to give tonight in the offering, but I wasn't supposed to give as the plate passed by. The Lord showed me that a young girl was going to give her ring and that when she did, I was to give, I want to say it was $2,000. And he was shouting about it. Yeah. <laughs> so he was shouting because, because he said, Amen. He said he, first he said, I'll gladly write that check because that's never going to happen. God said, write it. He wrote the check, and then here comes this girl from another state up doing that, and he said, here it is. And about that time, Brother Percy took off shouting. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. So um, you have um, Bible school coming up next week. Yes, sir. Yep. Six o'clock? Uh, six to eight o'clock. Six to eight o'clock. On Mount Victory. On Mount Victory. It'll be in the woods. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Can I say one more thing, Absolutely. Too? All right. To, to sum up, you know, the, the Mount Victory story, thank God for for Preacher Beaver and, and, and my dad and different ones like you we've talked about, like I – I'm the product of, of faithful people that prayed, you know, and invested and laid the groundwork. 
And the same thing is true of our church. And you're talking about the extension of the meeting on the fourth week. Now I've had people say, of course, there's always going to be the critics. You do anything for God. Oh, yes. Or even if, if it's not Absolutely. spiritual, even in the secular world, there's critics. But they said, well, you just extended that meeting for show. They wouldn't be saying that if their kid was the one that got saved in that fifth week. It's true. They wouldn't be saying that if, if it was their marriage that got put back. Like the marriages, there's two or three that we saw on that fifth week. They wouldn't be saying what they're saying if, if it was them. Amen. But on that fourth week, when I was really struggling, like, Lord, we've went for a month. Are we supposed to? It's getting cold. We've got heaters lined up in the tent. We're trying to heat this thing. It was cold. Lord, what, it was cold. <laughs> it was you cold. know. <laughs> it was cold. It was very cold. Lord, what do we do? And when I walked back into the tent on that Friday night, I saw all of my church down in the altar. And I asked them, I said, what are they doing? And they said, I don't, they all come down to pray. I got down in front of them, and uh, Sister Mitzi was kneeling there, and I said, Sister, what's wrong? She said, oh, she looked up, tears coming to her face. She said, nothing's wrong, preacher. We're just trying to pray for you. Amen. You need God's mind, and we're praying for you. Amen. And, and what's helped us is, yes, there's the critics, and you understand that even in the ministry, some of the, 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 the preachers, the brethren, yes. that you think ought to be supporting it and, and behind what God's doing, yes. they're the leading the charge against it. Yes. But when, when you have God on your side, and if you've got a handful of people that love their preacher and pray for their preacher, you're blessed. Yes. And that's what we saw at Mount Victory. It's not a even, all right, we, yes, we filled up our sanctuary. Yes, we filled up the fellowship hall. But it's not that big. Even both buildings aren't that big. But God's took a handful of people that just want to serve Jesus and follow him. Amen. And that's the story of Mount Victory, that God took just a little group of people in a little place and, and God could trust them. Amen. And the same thing with the money. We're trusting God even for bigger projects like you're doing. But, but God's not broke like you said. Amen. He's not broke. And, and we can trust God. God told Joshua in Joshua 1, verse number 2, Arise, therefore, go over this Jordan. Yes. I don't know what your this Jordan is, but all of us have a this Jordan that God's telling us to get up, arise, and go over it. God don't want us just to live the rest of our life in complacency in the wilderness. It's time to cross over and believe that there is more. Moses was thought crazy for what he done for God. Noah was no doubt laughed at when he was building the ark. And we're going to be mocked as well. And having true faith, that Hebrews 11 kind of faith today, is uncommon. Yes. But when you believe that you're a God, is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, you're going to be mocked and criticized. Sure. But follow God. Amen. Lead the results with him. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things, Amen. which thou knowest not. Amen. And so let them say what they will. By God's grace, we see what God's doing. You see what God's doing here at Bethel. These churches that are following God, wanting God to do big things, we're seeing it. Amen. The, these are tough days, sure, I, I but think, God's blessing. I think... I think uh, and you said it very very early on in this podcast, and and it's true for me at Bethel. You know, coming behind great men of God, a great framework, foundation laid here already, just to just to just to build on, and and that 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 foundation was Christ. But um, I, there's laws yep. of sowing and reaping. Yes, sir. You will reap what you sow. Yes, sir. You'll reap more than you sow. Yes, sir. That's right. And I could get deep into this, but as I'm sitting here this entire time, I always struggle with what we're going to title this podcast. But this is what I this is what I think. I feel like I am reaping what I did not sow. Yes, sir. Same here. 
Yes, sir. Amen. I receive salvation. <laughs> I receive grace and mercy. God's been so good. Yes, sir. I didn't sow it. Yeah. And I'm reaping <laughs> Amen. what I did not sow. Amen. And I'm so thankful. Yes, sir. So I, I hear that over and over and over again in in um, in this podcast in, in in the meat. I'm getting tore up again, yeah. but, but but I get to thinking about how good God is to us. To, Amen. To let us reap what we did not sow. Yes, sir. Praise God. Luke, you have anything? No. Um. Well, if I could say something, um, I'm thankful for the meetings. At Mount Victory, I got to go. I got to be a part of it, um, sit there and just enjoy the service, enjoy what God's doing, watching uh, people get saved. Um, goodness, our youth group it went it went on fire um, during those meetings. Um, Rim was leading our youth group back then. Yeah. He come back and man, we had a time in the youth group, and um, it's still it's still bubbling over today. Uh, just what God did then, and He's still doing it now and I'm looking forward uh to the meeting coming back uh amen. later on this year um August September looking forward to it amen hit those dates again give us those August 28th it's the very last Monday of August goes through uh, September the 8th on that Friday it's two weeks of meeting starts at seven o'clock each night and victory Mount Victory is located at 507 Mill Timber Creek Road in Newland North Carolina 28657 and you can find it, type it in the GPS. Again, that's 507 Mill Timber Creek Road, Mount Victory. And 7 o'clock each night, we pray at the altar at 6.30 each evening. And then uh, Tuesday through Friday of both weeks, we have Brother Daniel Buchanan preaching in the mornings, just a devotional charge to pray, believe God. And uh, we'd love to have everybody come. It's just looking forward to and it. And I'm certain if you're out there and you're listening to podcasts and you're thinking, well, well, I feel welcome, you know, some of us, some of us church people, we can be the most unwelcoming and got to get my seat and got to get my parking place and got to get gotta me and my four no more. It's not like that at Mount Victory. They'll welcome you. Uh, they'll, they'll move, they'll be tickled to death to have you be part of the services there. So I would strongly encourage you to be part of the services if you can. And if you can't, if you're unable, pray for them. Amen. Pray for this young man. God is using him mightily. Brother Ethan, thank you for your time. Honored. Thank you for the invite. I've enjoyed it very, very much. Amen. Amen. Hey, Luke, you want to pray and then sign us off? Yeah. Okay, great. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you for this day. And God, we thank you for all your blessings, God, that you've gave to us. And God, we are so thankful for who you are. God, we're thankful for the blood that Jesus shed for us dying in our place for our sins. God, we thank you uh, for salvation in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray uh, for those that are listening to this podcast, watching this podcast, Father, I pray, God, that you'd give them the help, Father, that they need. God, that they would have heard what they need to hear, God. Lord, that you would specifically ordain this moment that they're hearing this, God, and they would know that they have help in you. And Father, we give you praise and glory for all that you do. God, all that you've done on Mount Victory. We thank you for Brother Ethan. God, we thank you for his time today uh, that you've allowed us to get to spend and talk to him about what, not not just what he's doing, but God, what you're doing through him. Amen. And God, yes. we give you praise and glory for all that you do. In the name of Jesus, amen. We thank you for tuning in to the Back to Bethel podcast. Amen.
like, follow, and subscribe on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram.